we're like we're watching a movie about salespeople with David Cross. <laughs> <laughs> And we will not be questioning your world views. Yeah, good for the special. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Waiting for Stir Fry. This is Jonas. I'm here with Sarah. Hello. And Edwin. Hi there. And today we're going to talk about Sorry to Bother You is a 2018 American black comedy drama film written and directed by Boots Riley. Wikipedia told me that. Uh, this is Riley's directorial debut. He, uh, hmm. you know, this was a screenplay that was finished in 2012, uh, then put out in 2018. Uh, before this, Boots was not a director, since it's his debut. He was actually a sort of hip-hop group kind of guy. He founded The Coup, and he, you know, he had some odd jobs back in the day, like UPS and telemarketing. And I mention that because that informs this movie. Uh, in Sorry to Bother You, we are set in Oakland, California. And in short, uh, Lakeith Stanfield is Cassius Cash Green. He's a young guy living in his uncle's Oakland garage with his artist girlfriend. He's uh, down on his luck, and uh, he picks up a telemarketing job in which he excels because of his white voice, which is uh, played by David Cross of Arrested Development fame. Um, you know, he progresses in this job. He makes his way to the big boy offices where all sorts of unethical goods are sold. Weapons, labor, slave labor. Uh... Conflict between management and the workers of his old downstairs office sort of breaks out into this big conflict, a strike, and he is put in a position to choose between the two. So that's sort of like the quick overview. It is also a complete undersell of the movie because yeah. what is not mentioned is basically it's a big bucket of offbeat deadpan and absurd circumstance that basically colors in the comedy half of black comedy and the black part is this uh uh you know scathing satire of anti-cap of capitalism rather and you know also makes addresses many sort of racial themes and things of this sort which we will touch on eventually uh with that introduction any thoughts without too many spoilers before we get uh, rolling I'll go. Uh, I like this movie a lot, mainly because <laughs> I completely went in blind the first time I watched it, <laughs> just based on the reviews, and it was absolutely off the walls hilarious and very, you know, poignant. It actually kind of struck a chord with me with what I was trying to say and how adept it is at sort of framing it in, like, the, the circumstances of our current society and how it parodies, makes parody of them in within it, so... I love this film. Right on, Sarah. Yeah, I mean, I guess I didn't really go in entirely blind as you did. <laughs> I hadn't heard of the movie at all until you guys mentioned it to me. And I guess by the way you <laughs> vaguely spoke about it, I expected it to have some heavy themes, which it does. But it is also quite funny at times. Um, and yeah, I, I enjoyed it a lot, too. I think it's it's definitely a very interesting way to get get these messages across. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a pretty crazy movie. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah. I, similar stories, Edwin, uh, cause we went to see it together. Um, when in zero background, I was, uh, blown away by just the style, the humor, you know, and of course the things at the end of the movie, 
Uh, and at the end of that first viewing, I really just had in the back of my mind just for how off the wall and not zany, but zany. And uh, <laughs> um, the second viewing, the one for this kind of uh, cast, uh, we it really gave me the opportunity to digest more of the more, digest and appreciate more of the the themes and the way in which it tries to do things. And uh, you know, it just made me like it more. Uh, good cast, good script, good execution. Love the music. The uh, the tune yards do the uh, the score, and it is you know yeah. top notch. I'm a big fan. Um, but more on that later. Uh, first, why don't we start talking about our protagonist, um, Cash. Cash is green. That's right. You heard it right. Cash is green, and that's sort of his bit. At first, we are we meet Cash in Oakland again. Um, he's sort of going through this existential crisis that bookends his character arc. Yeah, where he's just like, "Hey, do I? I don't matter." He's hustling. He's trying to make a living, right? Like right. He, exactly. He's he's stagnant, but he's trying to get out of it by any means he can find. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. He's living in his uncle's garage, you know, he's mm -hmm. not a lot of money on him. And that's really what's motivating him at first. What sets the events of the movie in motion is he then goes on to apply for this telemarketing job. Um, what an interview. <laughs> oh, holy smokes. <laughs> you know, that's that, it's that opening scene where you kind of realize the kind of tone this movie's going for because he's yes. sitting there talking to this guy and he has a pile of awards and degrees that he's brought into the interview. And I love that sort of just the position of, um, of sort of that, that perspective that you have to bring everything to the table if you're trying to apply to a job. And then, of course, it's all a lie. Yeah. <laughs> Did you steal these? No, I, I bought them. I had them made. <laughs> but, you know, it worked. He got the job. That being said, all of that is yeah. undermined by, you know, oh, you actually didn't need any of this. We'll hire anyone. So, mm -hmm. right. oh, there we go. <laughs> I thought it was a nice commentary. Uh, sure. Just the fact that he has to, <laughs> he kind of has to put all of this just to get a damn job. <laughs> yeah, I also well, yeah, didn't. Yeah. I didn't even realize the cash is green thing until I read really? it in Edwin's notes after watching the movie. Oh my! I didn't catch it the first time I watched the movie. On rewatching, I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> well, it, I was watching it without subtitles, and it took me like a little while to actually understand what his name was because they were calling him mm -hmm. Cash, and that's not like a a name that I recognize immediately. Yeah. But. Huh. Yeah, yeah he has quite a journey. And, uh, you know, it's a telemarketing job where he's stuck at, and <laughs> he's kind of sucking at it because it's, it's it's hard to sell things to people on the phone. And uh, it's, it starts a montage, which is really funny, of people just hanging on him. He tries to sell the stuff they sell to a widow <laughs> who's grieving. It's really, really funny. Actually, it was really funny, but also that tinge of like, he's got stage four cancer, and then there's like this slight yeah. eyebrow twitch in Stanfield's face, in Cash's face, and then he just yeah. goes right into, it's funny you should mention that, we've got wellness guides in book four, and- <laughs> She just well, hangs the fuck out of him. Right, I- Yeah, <laughs> yeah those, those first scenes, uh, those telemarketing scenes, like you were saying, that interview sets up the tone, but I think that those scenes sort of thrust you into- 
started yeah, on this journey of like this weird, surreal, supernatural yeah. mm-hmm. kind of things are going to be wild. So strap in, folks. Right. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say that too because the way like when the way they represent him on a call is like he suddenly appears like in the living room with the woman that he's talking to, like with his desk and phone in front of him, and so it's like this kind of surrealist. Um, portrayal of this telemarketing call <laughs> right so like you were saying it kind of like sets up the sets your expectations to how this film is gonna yeah feel but yeah so so he's frustrated and you know we learn a little bit about his life he has a friend who's also working there he has a girlfriend who's an artist um right who's detroit. by the name of detroit <laughs> <laughs> an american name <laughs> american name <laughs> which i thought was interesting because it, <sighs> I don't think she's really that interested in even living up to that, right? Or at least in the conventional sense of Detroit as a, an American concept. Mm-hmm. She's definitely a more progressive person who's interested more in her African heritage, and she channels her art through that. She's great. I love Tessa Thompson as Detroit. She did a great job. Mm-hmm. And uh, But yeah, anyway, so Cassius is frustrated, and so... He actually gets noticed by by the person who's working next to him, who's is who is it? Danny Glover Danny is playing Glover. them. That's right. And Danny Glover looks at him and is like, "Yeah, you're never gonna get far using that voice. You have to use your white voice. <laughs> <laughs> your white voice." And then he immediately switches to a different voice actor. Uh, yeah. Uh, do you know who, is, it who it is? Who's this I voice actor? I actually do not know. Um, I read. I think, I, think was... I read on Wikipedia. It was like some, just some, some member tech? of like the yeah, yeah like the yeah. the studio crew or something who did oh, it. Oh, I yeah. see. No one remarkable, and not like David Cross and Patton Oswalt, right. who were the other two dudes. That was um, a very funny scene, painfully funny. Oh yeah. What I I really liked there is because of course you've got the ridiculousness of like. Yeah my white voice and the jarring lip sync which is often <laughs> not great um but that paired with danny glover well danny glover's character um yes. giving that sort of explanation of the white voice and what it means it's you know as if you don't have a care in the world they don't act they being white people don't actually sound like this but it's what they <laughs> think they should sound like it's like damn <laughs> Yeah, the movie equals no punches when it comes to that sort of gap. Oh yeah, and we'll we will get cultural that. gap, <laughs> economical gap, that. social gap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Actually, yeah. Why don't we start rolling on sort of the the tentpole theme of the movie, and really the the big thing we're talking about here is the economic gap uh, that is coming about. That has come about is being perpetuated da 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 by the capitalist system of the United States in this case. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think the sort of 10,000 foot view of the movie is, uh, you, you sort of take the circumstances of the U S now and just exaggerate them a little bit. <laughs> uh, it's sort of, yeah. you know, progress them a few years in the future. Maybe it's not outside the realm of possibility, but there still sounds crazy, which is, I mean, I think a, parts of a, it are maybe a little outside the realm of possibility. Right is now. it talking <laughs> about the horse people? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, sir. It's modern big pharma. No, I don't know. The fair point, right? But, but, I, but yeah, like you, it's close enough to reality that you get the point, right? Right. Yeah, that whole uh, what is it? Work free? Was it name worry, of the worry, worry free? Worry free. <laughs> yeah. Worry free, which is practically just slave modern slavery, right? Right. 
It's lifetime contracts. You'll get uh, three huts and a cot. They advertise Food. this all over the city, uh, and it is yeah, it's not great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Basically, you'll work you'll you work for the rest of your life. Um, and I think that's sort of uh, in a way that's sort of like one of the big sort of things, which is reducing by one of the big sort of things. I mean, that's one of the main themes and one of the motifs we're presenting is that the capitalist system reduces the value of people to their labor. And yep. we're doing this in many, many ways. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the worry-free contracts are the start of this for sure. And sort of the eventual progression of this is when you take those slaves and you turn them into horse people, um, sort of just boiling you heard down. You right. Turn them <laughs> into horse people. Oh, yeah. Have we not? Set, we've said it. We've said it already. He turned them into horse well, I guess people. We, we can give the little journey together. In essence, Cassius gets the better position by using his wet voice, which he kind of adapts for the rest of the movie where he's in front of, you know, important people. And he gets noticed by a CEO of this company, Worry Free. Steve Lift. And Steve, Steve Lift, Lift, right. And Steve Lift, realizing that he's a great salesman, wants to use his skills to sell the American people on horse people as replacements. Not, not exactly. As, it, that's actually right, right. Not, he wants to use him as an MLK junior. Right, a planted MLK yes. <laughs> among the horse people. Right, right, right. Because it keeps shit simple, according to him. <laughs> <laughs> He's a real piece of shit. That's what he is. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, but uh, anyway. Right, so... What were we getting at? Well, uh, that's yeah, just the, the, the arc. The capitalism. Arc. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The arc is that eventually uh, Cassius finds all this out. He reveals it to the public and the public doesn't care. Um, not only do they not care, they, they embrace it. Yeah. <laughs> Wall Street and the government yeah, the are Wall- like, oh, yeah, we're all in it. That's... The media characterizes it like, uh, what is it? A great scientific development. Right. Yep. <laughs> Wall Street at all times highs and all this. The I yeah. <laughs> I think one thing to note is that while it is definitely a movie that's commenting on that, it's also at the same time commenting on the fact that why do people pursue being part of that corrupt system? Right. Like Cassius, initially, you know, he joins a strike. Right. Going on. There's a strike going on at his workplace because they're trying to form a union. Yeah, they're trying to form a union. But, you know, he's actually not that, he's not, you know, in for the movement, right? He really does want a better life for himself. He goes into the office and, you know, there's a scene where he's looking at the elevator, the golden elevator goes to the better salespeople's floor. Power callers. Yeah, the power callers. And he's completely, completely drawn to it. Later on when the strike starts and he's freaking out that he's going to get fired... They offer him a better job because they realize how great a, uh, a salesperson is with his white voice. And to me, that journey, I think it's more, it's more worthwhile as a as a movie because it gives you that perspective of why people join that part of capitalism. Why is it so alluring? Um, and in his case, it really takes horse people for him to finally back down from it, <laughs> which is sort of that that highlight of. Uh, well, I guess everybody has a line, but Jesus Christ, my friend. 
<laughs> took a while to get here. No, yeah. yeah, I I like I like that it progresses from from early on. You sort of get a, a, some seeds of sort the, the what those motivations are for people to just not just do better, but sort of being fed these uh, ideals of consumption. Um, and it, it's actually not as not as present as you might think it, you know as i would expect it to be but for example they're in the uh they're in the the, the nightclub no, no they're in the bar and it has a vip room and cash goes in and is you know everybody ignores him and he has a drink spilled on him and he just right. walks out and instead of being mad he's like damn that's a baller shit <laughs> <laughs> and so jeez the 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 dissonance and i guess it's it's just telling of how They've just been convinced into this sort of, uh, that's their valuation, the consumerist valuation. Um, part of that being just the media presenting that. Uh, but I think there's a lot more to be said about the media um, in this in this movie. That is to say, yeah. yeah. Not ahead? only media, but entertainment, right? Um, you know, uh, they, they watch tomato, this. Tomato, <laughs> Well... Well, I think it, because, you know, there's this scene later in the movie after Cassius figures out about this horse people and he's completely trying to um, run away from... Uh, sorry, no, it's earlier before he discovers the horse people, but after the strike starts. And he goes on TV, he watches TV at home, and he sees the strike going on and he tries to ignore it by switching the channel away. Mm -hmm. And all that he can find on TV is this crappy, you know show where people are just punching each other for money and uh what was the other thing that they that they're showing oh and then uh mtv warrior free cribs yeah. show, <laughs> which is just people in bunk beds and in, like incredibly two, awful conditions. two to a bunk bed you know everything made to look glamorous they've got like a chandelier and like a fake uh deer over a fireplace but there's two people to a bed you know the food is quote to die for but it looks yeah. terrible <laughs> uh and then the, the the i got the shit kicked out of me channel which they don't actually get money f i don't know if they actually get Do money for it i, I, I guess they must point. i guess they must there would be no other yeah. motivation <laughs> but what i thought very was colorful yeah yeah, I think it reminds me of what, uh, the Lego movies honey where are my pants a little bit or <laughs> <laughs> just Japanese like game shows where they're just falling right. over doing crazy stuff <laughs> but I think what, what caught my attention in that scene though was that he had three choices he could either choose to be you know watching things that rot his brain right like if you're an American not just Cassius but any American you could either look at the strike right like the real issues that are affecting the world or you can just quickly divert your attention to one of these crappy shows mm. to you know make your existence bearable i thought that was an interesting thing <laughs> and the fact that he eventually goes back to the channel you know he can't ignore it but he also doesn't want to you know just melt away into this crappy reality tv show existence i thought it was a pretty good commentary and as far as the media is concerned later in the movie when uh, they're having the strike, then they're all just like doing like a horse race with this strike. It's like, oh, the cavalry's here when the police shows up. <laughs> but at least they're, I don't I feel like that channel was okay because they were reporting things. I don't think it was like 100%, you sure. know, sort of the noble channel because they covered things like uh, have a colon smile, bitch, uh, mm -hmm. the fad of the, the can. 
uh, the viral video or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, but I think they were showing like, hey, the news do something important and not just like uh, TV news, but printed news because like the SF Chronicle shows up a bunch of times uh, saying things like, Senate clears worry free of slavery charges, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which is a hilarious sentence. But um, yeah, things like the you. I think one thing the movie does well is that it shows these mechanisms, for example, for the media of what they do to like, you know, sort of enable this sort of abusive, exploitative uh, system. But also, it's not always one way. Often, it does a good thing, but it's also not always one way. Again, so like. Right. Yeah, I've yeah. already mentioned the SF Chronicle. I've mentioned the, the yeah, the, the, the news. At one point, you know, they're they're talking about coal and smile, bitch. And it's like, oh, this woman was able to <laughs> got enough money to purchase four white babies. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> uh, so they're subject to the so the economics and the racial angles that this movie is trying to portray. Rather, it's yeah. movies trying to emphasize that they are subject to those things as well because their audience is subject to those things. Um, yeah, the one thing yeah. I was going to mention with the have a cola and smile bitch thing was like it's <laughs> it's like a commentary on viral videos and memes in general. Like this, so he's it's Cassius heading into the office and he has to like there's like officers or armed guards who have to yeah, escort all of the power callers through like the crowd of protesters to get through the front door of the building. And so as they're going through, he's like in the middle of this crowd, you know, plowing through these people, somebody throws a soda can at him, hits him in the head and somebody catches it on video and it goes viral, becomes this huge thing. You see like kids with Halloween costumes of him later on in the movie. (laughs) And I think part of that is saying like, we get distracted by stupid things like this a lot, right? (laughs) Like there's a much more important issue underlying this scenario and the one thing that they take away from right. it is have a cola and smile bitch yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a, yeah, that's a good that's a good uh, sort of I think for me what that not only do I agree completely with Sarah's point about the cola and smile bitch but what really got me is that it in turn is also a commentary on our world right I think for me because this is mocking the Pepsi ad that came out around that time where Pepsi had this woman cutely get out of a protest, walk in Kendall front Jenner. of the protesters. Not just any woman. It was Kendall Jenner. <laughs> oh, it was, sorry. I don't, I don't know. I guess it was. And she's just walking with a Pepsi in her hand, all sexy, and then just goes up to the cop who's, you know, of course, they're facing the cops in riot gear. And she just hands the, the soda to the cop and the cop grabs it. And, you know, that's how you're supposed to bring unity, even though you know, people are getting smiling, slaughtered. Everybody's hugging. I watched the ad like a, a couple hours ago. It's just yeah. ridiculous. Like I... So every, every time <laughs> I watch that whole have a cool and smile bitch and just remind, remember that ad just killed me every time of how they're making that commentary here. <laughs> of course, here, here the ad didn't create outrage. It instead created this this meme, right? Right. So, yeah. so uh, another interesting thing about this ad, about sort of that focus, um, is I, I found it interesting that when Cash tried to get his message out about the horse people, he first went to the SF Chronicle. And he didn't do a good job with this, but mm-hmm. he like called them. We're like, "Hey, there's horse people. They're making motherfuckers into horse people." Yeah, I mean, he was <laughs> also like, panicking. Yeah, yeah, he didn't he do a great like job a crazy of it. Person, but they they didn't get the message out. Whereas he was able to leverage the fame of 
you know, he calls the, what is the, 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 the I got the shit kicked out of me show and right. leverages his, oh, hey, this is Cassius from, uh, uh, have a colon smile bitch fame and he yeah. uses that to get his message out and I think that's interesting on the uh, sort of the swapping of the effectiveness and I think it goes into this whole like you know the media is mixed and it's subject to things and maybe it'll help you maybe it won't um, just showing that they're subject to all of these influences right yeah um, I thought about it's interesting that like he was able to use that to get on the show but then even when he got the message out it still didn't help yeah. So it's like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> kinda unclear whether or not that was actually helpful. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I think uh I think I caught a an error in the movie actually there, because just before he actually starts doing all this calling to try and get the message out, he's hol- he's in a train and somebody's holding a magazine and the magazine has like scientific development, horse people. Oh, no. oh, this is great. This is no, it's fantastic because the magazine they're holding is the National Enquirer, which right. is a which is the bullshit uh, you know, when you go to the checkout line at CVS or Walmart, like the, all the bullshit stories with like aliens and mm-hmm. Queen oh, is Elizabeth. That what they were saying? That's what that is. <laughs> okay. So I thought that was a nice touch. It's like, oh right. man, people I of didn't catch people in detail what it, it was. Uh-huh. Yeah, no. That's funny. It is funny. Yeah, wow. Um one thing, one aspect of the media, and I'm using media as a general catch-all term for things for public consumption, um, is sort of the art scene, how this is sort of, I, I thought that was an interesting, because we show Detroit as being this this principled um, activist in the, in the movement. She's part of the left eye sort of uh, protester group. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, you know, she tags a bunch of worry-free ads and all this jazz, uh, sort of adjusting them to tell her message of worry-free as shit, uh, worry-free as <laughs> slavery. Um, and so, yeah, this is what I'm characterizing as, or what is representing the art scene for me. And, you know, it shows to be genuine because she is consistent with her sort of belief system. You know, she breaks up with cash and all this. Yeah. But it's still subject, again, with the whole, these things are still subject to money, still subject to the systems and the culture because she still has to sell art to rich people and they say it explicitly. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, well, you're still going to have to put on your English accent, her, well, yeah. not necessarily white voice, but white voice yes. and sell art to rich people. Um, and I think what what was an interesting and very just fleeting symbol of like, the sort of ambiguity in like how effective these things are or you know is like i mentioned she tags uh worry-free ads you know writing slave on them or and shit like this yeah. and for a split second when you're at uh, uh steve lift's party you see that he has one on display not the oh, ad but the tagged really? ad it was for like a split second i was like holy shit <laughs> that's funny uh, which is like oh man that is sad <laughs> so so what does uh, this make that 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 scene which she has her performance which yes boy is that <laughs> the tour the force of this movie is that performance right. Jonas, you should describe it in glorious detail in glorious detail okay well 
she's there. She's talking. You know, she's in a nice dress, a nice pantsuit. You know, very Hillary Clinton, but a little more risque. Talking to everybody <laughs> in her accent, like, "Hey, you know, you're interested in this one, of course. Yeah, no, we can look at that." And eventually, she goes to the performance where she walks up onto the stage with glasses and a trench coat and big clear boots, and she pops open her trench coat, and yeah. there are black hands holding her breasts and a middle finger. Holding her, uh, I guess the word is uh, vulva here. And then she goes on to read from The Last Dragon. It's just some scenes. While people from the audience throw bullet casings, cell phones, and goat's blood. Because she is uh, putting an emphasis on how a certain uh, element or mineral... Yeah, is being used, is being mined in an African country. And it's basically exploitation of the resources sort of as a continuation of the exploitation of sort of the people and slavery and all this. And she says this earlier explicitly where, you know, that Africa represents this sort of continued exploitation. Um, Yeah. Making it a perfect thing to present in this movie. Uh, So, yeah. And then people throw goat's blood at (laughs) her. Yeah, they get really into it, though. And then Cassius is like, what the heck is going on? Why are you subjecting yourself to this? Right. To me, to me, that moved me because, you know, most of the people who are doing it are white folks. And I guess, yes. you know, most of the people who would consume all these natural resources to build the stuff are in wealthier countries. Yeah. Um, but I thought, I thought Cassius inserting himself in that conversation was sort of almost like a fourth wall breaking moment where, mm. you know, us, like the, the, the audience is supposed to be the people who are buying cell phones and things like that. In essence, you know, doing all of this to Africa, who who Tessa Thompson's character Detroit is a stand-in for, and Cashew just gets in there and he's like, "What are you people doing? This is crazy! <laughs> <laughs> Why are you letting them do this to you?" And I thought it was pretty funny. I thought it was like, "Oh yeah, yeah. Well, we should probably think about that ourselves at home, huh?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is interesting. Mm. I hadn't thought it's about it low- that way. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, she's like, you know, I got to do this, Cash. Mind your own business. (laughs) 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 Yeah, there's an interesting thing. Very minor detail. She she quotes a scene from The Last Dragon, which is like some comedy kung fu film. But basically, the scene in question is where sort of the bad guy's, you know, dumb girlfriend, dependent dumb girlfriend breaks up with him, just sort of standing up for her principles. And I thought that was an interesting, you know, she told Cash, stay for this. And then after that gets done, she tells him to leave. So, you know, sort of a, a parallel mm. there. Not not like a particularly wow parallel, but a parallel. You know, there was a intent behind the choice. And I think that was it. Um, <laughs> we mentioned uh, all white people at the art show. And I feel like <laughs> I was reminded of, yeah, I guess that the, this is... The movie, in addition to the capitalist shortcomings, also represents, you know, presents the structural racism and stereotypes and prejudices uh, in the culture, their culture, a.k.a. our culture. (laughs) Um, You know, also this weird, uh, it's not weird, but this additional exploitation of the labor, as we said, because the, the working class is exploited. And because, you know, black people are correlated with the working class due to the structural systems that they talk about, um, they're part of that. And also just the cultural space that they occupy uh, being like this. I also being a space of exploitation. I'll talk about that in a minute. 
but the reason I mention it is um, one of the ways this gets across, you know, the, the clearest way this gets across, the sort of structural issue is that when you look at the management at Worry-Free, you know, at the, the bottom floor, you have the workers, you know, diverse group. You got Steve Yun, this Asian guy, mm-hmm. you of course, got uh, Cash and uh, Detroit and his friends. You know, there's a diverse group of people. There's old folks, there's young folks. And then you've got the yeah. management, which is a bunch of white, you know, three white people. Um, and then when you get up to the power collar floor, it's basically all white people again. So that's how they sort of present that most explicitly. Mo- mo- uh, more than that, though, it's not yes. only that they're white, but if if you're not white, you're one of the few who are not white, like Cashews and, and the guy with the eye patch, you yes. have to use your white voice to be exactly. part of that club. And I thought that was a beautiful way to represent sort of that cultural sort of barrier that is built there. It's like, yeah, yep. you can be a rich black person, but you don't get there by embracing the culture of your of your own people. You have to embrace that that economic culture that allows you to be there. Mm-hmm. Stick to so the script, as they say. Yeah, stick to the script, as they say. <laughs> yeah. uh, that was great. Yeah, yeah. Like I have here, the whole concept of a white voice is, I mean, yeah. hilarious and jarring and <laughs> everything <laughs> that this movie is about. And I mean, um, it's, it's not hidden at all. It's very clear, you know. Yes, yes. yes. What that but it's got a lot of layers. It's got a lot of layers is what I'll yes, say about it. Yes, yes. Um, mm. Not only that, but I think, you know, you know, Jonas, you and I watched this movie when it came out, and I think it's one of the few movies that has an incredible presence in theater. Oh like, yeah, depending on the audience, <laughs> it was the tension in that in that Ooh. you know what was that? It was summer, not Somerville. It was, it up was in, Somerville. It was Massachusetts. It was white af. <laughs> it was white af. It was you know it was pretty you know coastal elite. <laughs> <laughs> In there, and uh, you can see the tension when Danny Glover started talking about white voice in that theater. Really? <laughs> yes, it was gorgeous. Did people start sweating. No, it was just deadly quiet. The you humidity know in like, the room. And then one person very, like silence. Yeah. It was like it forced laughters, and like you know, Jonas and I are like in the back row, so we're dying at this. But my God, with some of those people there, just like ah, 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 ah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, I uh, I think going back to layers of this concept, I, the, the party scene at the yeah. end is probably the best presentation <sighs> of this you could ask right. for. Right, <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to mention too. Uh, do you want to talk it, about it? Please, please, sure. after you. I mean, so I think what happens is eventually Cash does so well as a power caller you know, and selling whatever it is, weapons, military technology, um, Slaves. He gets invited to a party at Steve Lift's place, who is the CEO of this worry-free company that turns people into slaves that we've already mentioned. Um, and so <laughs> and he goes the horses. The, right, yes, and of course the horses. So, But this is at this party is where he first finds out about the horses. Right. Um, but yeah, so he goes there. You know, It's a big mansion, whatever. He's, he's using his white voice to talk to people because he can only use that at work. You know, Of course, it naturally carries over into this party full of white people. Um, and at one point, I guess he gets pulled into a room where everyone's just kind of hanging out and Steve Lift, the CEO is like, Oh no, it's okay. You can use your normal voice. You don't need to use your white voice. And you're like, okay, maybe 
like they're trying to be like accepting, but then he starts asking him like, "Oh, have you ever?" I forget exactly what he said, but basically, have you asking ever him, popped a cap in someone's ass? <laughs> of course, yeah. They forget. use this exact language, and it's just right. hilarious. Yeah, so like they're assuming that he's been involved in gang violence. They're <laughs> and they like expect him to be a good rapper and so then they start all yelling at him like oh do like rap something for us rap something for us he's like no like i'm good at listening to rap i'm not really good at rapping (laughs) i'm really bad he clearly doesn't want to rap but you know it's another one of those things he's being forced to do something he's uncomfortable with a power structure (laughs) right there it is again and so he gets up like on the this platform in the middle of the party and he starts rapping and it's the same words over and over again. He's just it's he's trash. basically yeah, it's he's trash. saying the N word over and over again. Oh, and, oh. <laughs> oh. I meant at first when he's yes. actually trying to rap, it's garbage. Oh, right. And yeah. yeah. Sorry, I forgot that, about that. He yeah, he's like, "Hey, my name is right. Cash." And like yeah. everyone's I like, like to pause for 10 on? seconds. <laughs> <laughs> smash. Yeah, smash. <laughs> Right, and then he, you know, something clicks in his brain. He's like, maybe I'll just try this. And then he starts saying the N-word over and over again, and suddenly everybody's, like, loving it and just and jumping they... up and down. Everyone... No, but it's not just it's not just the N-word, though. Like, he just, he, and that, he just, they just abstract the entire, like, like content of raps by just saying uh, N-word shit. So yeah. it's just, this is just, the content of the song is N-word shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's all that. there is in there. <laughs> That's all yeah. it's that, that uh, these that, people that's see in this song. Yeah. That's, that's all, all they these would people see. Yeah. 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 And he's doing it and everyone's loving it except for two people. The man with the eye patch, who is also black. <laughs> so he obviously <laughs> understands what's going on. And Steve Lift, the CEO, who which I thought was interesting. He didn't seem to be enjoying it as much as everyone else, but he was more just like watching and right. kind of thinking. And that was so a good like, catch in your notes, yeah. Yeah, so I'm like, that's notice. interesting. Like it almost seems like he understood that this guy is obviously not rapping you know anything that has meaning but he's also (laughs) he's just kind of observing what's going on i guess like he's fine with it i didn't really know what else to take from that i think that was the moment that steve lift realizes oh he's gonna be our guy he's gonna be our horse martin luther king Uh, because sort of what he gets at later is that i need someone that sees the big picture and the fact that cash could see that people just need to hear Mm mm-hmm n-word shit right there. <laughs> at least those people needed to hear that to be happy mm-hmm. it's like oh this guy fucking gets it uh some other stuff that i thought were interest other things that i thought were interesting as, as part of that s- sort of sequence in the party is before he walks in before cash walks into the the side room with steve lift and the others you know steve lift is telling a story about how i shot a rhino and then as soon as he gets you he, as soon as Cash walks in, he's getting to the climax of the story about, you know, shooting the rhino. And he just decides to, like, shoot <laughs> Cash. And it's like, oh, hey, that's a, sort of a, you know, maybe microaggression is too small a word. Aggression is too <laughs> strong a word. But, you know, sort of representative. Another thing is when, before that, when Steve Lift meets Cash for the first time, uh, Eyepatch Man has to tell him, you know, he sort of pauses. Hi, Marcus Green. There Cash is great, and he pauses, and then Eye Patch Man tells him, "Oh no, he's friendly." And it's like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, so I like he he yeah he get like 
Steve Lift gets it, sort of, but is also, like, very much the symbol of this sort of ignorance and stereotyping and assumptions and racism and other words you can throw in there. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's just an opportunist. He doesn't have any moral standing. He only yeah. cares about the profits. He's a capitalist. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can capitalist. see that from the beginning when, like, his company's being accused of running a slave farm and it shows him, I think he's, like, in an interview or something, like, saying, no, of course, I would never do that. And he's like, I don't know, I guess he they looks, kind of, what were we going to say? I was going to say, he, 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 you know, he looks great during this interview. He's dressed like, you know, he's wearing a scarf and a fucking shawl and some Birkenstocks right. and he's looking very, very peace and lovey. Yeah, very right. like San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, obviously none of that is true because he's turning people into slave horses. Right. <laughs> so right after, right after that, that rap... You know, the party moves on to an orgy phase, and after that phase, uh, you know, Cassius gets invited to have a one-on-one -on -one with Steve, and that's where Steve is supposed to tell him about this this lucrative deal he's come <laughs> up with. I want to make you a proposal. <laughs> <laughs> and, but before he hears the proposal, he has to pee, so he takes the wrong turn, and he finds the horse people... <laughs> Which, for some reason, are being kept in his mansion, his basement, <laughs> and oh, he right. freaks the heck out. And then, but Steve catches him with a gun, and so he forces him to listen to his pitch. And of course, his pitch is that, "Hey, I want to turn people into horses so that they can do more work." But not only his rich. pitch, there's a commercial. It's a a commercial. Oh my commercial. God. That was so good. Uh, there was like, like a mild 2001 uh, Space Odyssey intro there. It was great. It was yeah, it's, so nice. It's like the kind of PR that you kind of be like, at the end you're like, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> because they present it all in this like, in this kind of like a matter of a fact way. It's like, you know, people evolved for chimps. And now they're just evolving to be horses. It's natural. It's it's to be expected. And, and it's like the, uh, the narrator of the commercial is this like horse woman whose boobs are like bouncing around throughout oh, no, the whole yes. thing. She's just a cave woman. She's just yes. a regular cave oh, sorry, woman. Very, I forgot. It's a very awkward thing. Like, is this a kid's cartoon? Why are their titties yeah. out? I, <laughs> it's it's jarring. It's jarring to yeah. say the least. In in a way, more so than most claymation. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say definitely more so than, you know, your average Wallace and Gromit movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's a it's a lot. And then after that, then Steve is like, hey, I'll pay you $100 million to be my plant, my mole inside the horse people. And so you will just do what I say. So and, he's, yeah, know. he's saying that he would turn him into a horse person and he can go and kind of guide the other horse people. Right. He's a false flag <laughs> plant right. inside. And he's like, nah, man, I don't want to be a horse person. Yeah. He's like, no, 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 we totally have a serum for it. And of course, Cash is like, no, you don't. <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> uh, and I think he faints at that point. Uh, right? Because he true? wakes up the next day in his apartment. Right? He says, think it over. I don't think he faints. I think I don't remember. Yeah, I think there's just like a transition maybe. But yeah, yeah. One thing we forgot to mention is that at some point um, during that sequence, um, Army Hammer, that is to say Steve Lift, has Cash's snorts, um, what he assumes is cocaine, and right. you later learn that uh, that that is how you turn into a horse person, that's how that change is administered. Um, 
But of course, Steve insists that it's not the serum. Uh, but a fun thing there was all the foreshadowing that it was about to happen. All this, because mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. Uh, what is it that you had Steve lift with the 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 for, the the writing whip crop? I don't know what the word is. Uh, you had the book with Steve lift yeah. with a giant horse, and then of course yeah. his office is just tossed about with horse imagery. The plate has yeah. a horse named Bobo. That was yeah. just a a fun little thing. Um, and then, yeah, that's, uh, that sort of gets Cassius worried about turning into a right. horse, which right. is, I think that's whether Cassius, uh, whether the that's line is that line. he's turning people into horses or that right. he tried to turn me into a horse, he might turn me into a horse. I don't know if the red line is others himself, which I think is a, a fun little thought experiment, but um, right. yeah. Um, he doesn't want to be a part of it. For sure. So then I think... You know, shortly after that, you know, we talked already about the fact that he tries to tell people about this madness and then our capitalist dystopia that's this world <laughs> decides to fully embrace the horse people. <laughs> um, so, so Cash just sort of takes it easy, right? He he meets up with his friends who are still striking uh, at the company. I think, was it Regal View? Regal View. And they decide to, what is it? Um, he, he just joins them, right, for the strike. So he helps them come up with a plan to how to beat Regal View because right now they can't stop people from going into the in, inside the building, right? So they craft this plan, they go through, they actually stop the cops, and then right after that, the system really gets into gear, right? Because then the media's like, oh, the cavalry's here, and then just a SWAT team and ATV show up and they start treating this like a riot. <laughs> I don't know if it was that severe, but it was. Uh, well, it just the, shows the, the that stack, the stack water backup is what it was, as, yeah. as in Blackwater. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting because it just shows that, you know, the system is really stacked against them. You know, the people who are trying to unionize and, and find better conditions, right? Like that. Uh, now, this whole system is set up to, to quash that kind of. You know, outcome, right? Because so the money, gets... the money will get you to where you need to go. Although it is interesting right. that in the end they um, over sort of overcome it with the help of the horse people. That is how the plan um, recovers. Um, well, Cash gets captured, right? Yes. And then he wakes up later in the day because it's been going on for all day that riot. And then, <laughs> then the horse people show up, and they rescue him, and they help defeat the cops right that's what happens they so defeat they're not the cops. cops i would like to emphasize that they are private no, military military yep stack water as in black water yeah, as yeah, in yeah, a yeah. private military firm sure 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 this movie was before the whole you know current situation going on right and that's the thing it you know uh it became more and more um definitely tainting that with that yeah. those 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 glasses <laughs> I, <laughs> I was gonna say you know it's just becoming more and more relevant um yeah given the, painfully the, so. the circumstances but uh anyway back back on track yeah yeah so then you know he gets rescued by the horse people you know with their dongs sticking out everywhere which is kind of <laughs> funny it kills me every time um the horse cops. it's just so absurd the horse cops. yes it's so absurd <laughs> Uh, and then I think that's sort of it, right? Cash, you know, decides to just give up this life of, of being a power caller, gives the car mm-hmm. to his friend, moves back into his uncle's house, makes up with, with Detroit. And, you know, he just decides to have a more 
a, a more normal life that, you know, at least lives by some values that he values, right? He's not a sellout to this well, he, corporate world. Yeah, he's doing the same things. Like, he's still just a telemarketer in a way. Right. Um, but I guess he's just more at peace with his place because he believes he's making a difference in, in right. the sort of unionization. But I, I, I almost don't care <laughs> in the sense that it's not important at all what Cassius's uh, sort of growth there is. Right, right, I mean, right. It's, it's more of a minor note. Yeah. It just matters that he has a red line. And, and you know, yeah. it's just funny how far it is. <laughs> how far we have to absurd. go. <laughs> he'll, he'll step on his friends for money. He'll <laughs> he will sell weapons. He will and sell slaves. slaves. But once it comes to horse people, no more. <laughs> That's too too far. Yeah. And then you get to the end where surprise, the cocaine wasn't cocaine. It was good well, old horse transformation. Yeah, yes. so this is the part that like kind of confused me a little bit. Because if it was the cocaine that did it. That was like a long time ago. I thought maybe they like drugged him when he was like stuck in the back of that van or whatever it was. Um, so yeah. I don't know. I don't think but it also, matters. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe it doesn't point. matter, but like more generally, I wasn't sure why they bothered to turn him into a horse at the end. Because I think it's supposed mm. to be a direct callback to the MLK thing. In essence, at this point in helping them break this union strike, right? Mm-hmm. Cash has turned into an activist, a person who is willing to do all of this. And I guess the idea is that this is not obviously their plan because it doesn't make any sense that they would account for this. But to us as a viewer, the fact that now he is a horse person and he is an activist means that he has in the end ended up being the horse MLK at the end right. of the movie. <laughs> but so the, Steve the... Lift wins after all. <laughs> no, 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 because he's not... He's not Except a plant. not really, because he goes and breaks into his house. Yeah, I, I was thinking it kinda, like it gives him. Sorry, I was just gonna say it gives his character like more of a purpose. I guess if yeah. we like once we see in the end that he's actually going back to the mansion to like demand something. You know that. Well, yeah, prob- it's about probably to kill probably demand that they turn <laughs> them back into humans. <laughs> right. Perhaps. Perhaps. No. Yeah. Because there was a moment. Uh, when I saw him turn and I thought, oh, could this be the long game where he's like, oh, he went through with it. He, in a way, because, right. oh. mm. uh, but like by the fact that he goes back to Steve Lift's mansion, that is dispelled. And I think that's, makes that scene very important <laughs> in that way. Because right. otherwise, well, I guess the, the movie would have the same impact, but uh, you would leave at the end thinking Cassius is a fucking asshole. <laughs> right, right. Um, so yeah, yeah. So let's see, we've covered... We've covered the capitalism point. We've covered the uh... Cassius as a as an element in this society, his journey, how it's impacted by how he he sees the right. world, and how it eventually, you know, changes <laughs> quite abruptly <laughs> after some crazy lines are crossed. And we, of course, talked about Detroit as a you know both a contradiction and sort of an idol of of these themes of. You know, mm-hmm. cultural resistance and art, and those things being at odds with having to make a living, and right, yeah, yeah. Um, I really saw her like as the kind of an opposite to Cash, just because you know once he starts throwing all of his morals away in order to earn more money, you know he's he was going against a lot of her ideals. And meanwhile, she's trying to express her individuality. He's fitting in with the system so he can move up. 
Um, yeah. Those earrings, though. Oh, phenomenal. <laughs> the earrings are very cool. I like that they kept zooming in on them. Just to bring out, just in the shot composition, they just kept highlighting them. I was trying to think if there's any meaning to them. In them. Well, I think they're very Taken clear <laughs> in what their meaning but, is. And yes, I, think I know what the... <laughs> the, the implication, I think, is just that, you know, just another expression of um, Detroit's just individuality and, yeah. you know, just, you know, I will live my beliefs, sort of. And just to mm-hmm. throw out some names while we're here, where where are these? <laughs> there was one that said, kill, 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 murder, murder, murder. Uh, there were electric yeah. chairs. There was... There was uh, a dick. There was the, the, the bedazzled dicks. And I think my yes. favorite was uh, Tell Homeland Security We Are the Bomb. It was, uh, <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> She's uh, great. Yeah, it's real good. Um, I heard you mention shot composition. So I'm going to use that as a pivot point to mm-hmm. <laughs> talk about sort of the movie as a whole and to think about sort of what it's doing to get its point across in a more meta sense. Not so much just like, hey, this is what happens, but like, of course, here are sort of the, the techniques involved. And, and a fun thing is that part of the, to me, part of the whole vibe of the movie just comes in, in the filmmaking. And just by that, I mean uh, the sort of quirky vibe is sort of aided by the, the planimetric composition. By that, I mean the sort of Wes Anderson look at people straight on, which is not a typical thing, and sort of everything behind them is square. That happened mm-hmm. a lot. Uh, you get a lot of these camera whips where uh, people are talking, mainly in the union conversations. Um, mm. You're like whipping back and forth, which is like awkward. You feel it. You sense it. Um, and also just some weird cuts that are mildly amusing. Like, uh, look, I mean, don't talk about what I did in high school. You know, I don't want that to be the peak of what I did. I mean, look at the high school football team. I mean, really look at them. And it's just this harsh cut to people like to right. playing grown men playing football in the uh, parking lot of some store yeah, at night. And it's like, well, odd. So all of these things create this quirky sort of styling for the cinematography. And this is part, I think, of like just this larger sense of the movie setting up its uh, surrealist, satirical kind of format which allows it to sort of get to these places where you probably couldn't get otherwise like you couldn't just show horse people without setting up a bunch of stuff in advance is what i'm getting at <laughs> and i think it did that really well um yeah i mentioned the the, the, the sort of quirky cinematography slash filmmaking um there's also we talked about this the sort of the supernatural bits that come in um so we talked yeah. about crash crashing through or cash crashing through people's living rooms for the calls uh during the white voice reveal when he first does it he's in a bar and you kind of get this suspension of time effect where the music falls away and there's just this really tight shot of cassius's face um and like everything's suspended that's a thing and of course the horses and a little uh, a, a, a present detail that's a little detail Sort of the dad's picture, how that changes to yeah. reflect his uh, feelings Cash's, on, on Cash's yeah. actions. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Was that his dad? Did he say that? I thought I so. Or was it just like a role model of some kind? Uh, I would think Not it's Not that it really dad. matters, I guess. But... Right. Yeah, I don't remember. 
Yeah, I thought that was funny too. Yeah, I mean, I've got like a whole list of these. <laughs> uh, yeah. it, it definitely keeps the, the pace of the movie going very well. It's a very well-paced movie, especially considering how much it covers under two hours. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, but I think it does more than that, right? I mean, of course, you are balancing a very sort of dark <laughs> and depressing thing here, which is like, hey, contemporary, the contemporary workforce is enslaved, kind of, or, you know, yeah. on its way to that. So you kind of have to dress it up a little bit, you know, a little bit of sugar to help the medicine go down, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> that's kind of, you know, way it does it. I mean, just the humor is is there the the sort oh, of yeah. weird things that they show that are like just slightly dissonant um i mean the the dialogue is great like yeah well not not great in that it's realistic but just like in accomplishing this so it's like comparing apples and oranges eh it's like comparing apples and the holocaust and <laughs> 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 uh, just these things of just these awkward weird situations and, and lines that uh bring the viewer to that sort of feeling yeah. Like, mm-hmm. It's definitely like a laughing uncomfortably sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> We've watched a lot of these movies with uh, seemingly, uh, you know, dystopic presentations of the world <laughs> and making fun of them, like, uh, you know, the lobster and Stalin. And this one. Yeah, how about that? <laughs> Maybe there's something wrong with the world, guys. <laughs> Maybe it's something wrong with us that we're I was going to say, does that say more about us or about. Uh, I think when we yeah. were coping, we're trying to cope. That sounds right. That we, sounds we know, appropriate. We know too me. much, and we just want to know that somebody else knows that it's it's too much going on in this world. <laughs> uh, they I know, get I, it. I I will say that I was, you know, yeah, okay, fair. I like that theory. I did say I I would say I learned more than I confirmed my beliefs, although clearly some of these beliefs are something I had already. But no, it is an interesting. Yeah. Interesting goals and sort of how well it achieves getting its message across to me yeah. is a mixed bag. Uh, yeah. Because like I said, the the first time I watched it, I walked away with, how off the wall was that? That shit was crazy and funny. And I didn't really think about content too much. Um, and of course, right. you know, the second time was better. But, uh, you know, and even the, the movie addresses it this at the end. A little bit. If you tell people a problem, they'll just normalize it if you don't give them a solution. And mm. I don't know that the movie really gave us a solution. <laughs> I don't know if we walk away with this other than to say, well, shit sucks. You know, what is... Yeah. What are we going to do? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I guess... I mean, the horse people are definitely going to try to do something about this. <laughs> but but yes, no, I don't think there's any conclusive change for the people. They just do the ba- They just do everything they can to improve their life just a little bit right mm-hmm. yeah i mean even cash wasn't going to do anything until he'd actually turned into ours person right yeah. so you know i think at least there's that solace that you know at least the movie is not being that cynical it is saying hey if you do if everybody did put in all their effort in you could definitely get a better life out of it mm-hmm. but it's not easy you got to unionize <laughs> unionize yep yeah, that's the message <laughs> unionize and don't you know uh, stop watching shitty tv and pay attention to yeah. what's going on <laughs> right which you know i i think that's been happening which is good uh yes. well i actually you know i don't know what i i've been doing that but 
who knows what I the pop, know. you know can someone do some we'll polling know, we'll know in two weeks oh my god <laughs> <laughs> ah, okay um <laughs> That uh, won't make any sense when this video comes out. That really won't. We're talking about the election, folks, for anyone in the future. The United States election. Uh, we're clearly American. <laughs> Jenna, we, can't, we don't know how big our public is. <laughs> to both of our Wishful viewers. Thinking. I think. I to think... those of you in Europe. <laughs> but not in the UK. <laughs> you guys have your own problems. <laughs> All right. I think I don't think I have anything else for this. Um, I would like to have... say, yeah, I've got some things to say. Mm-hmm. One thing that I just, I, I think, I don't think I can throw enough praise on it, just because I really like the style of the movie. You know, uh, on top of the jokes and the like, you know, the humor it's... and the jokes and all this, just yeah. the the music that the music that works into it is all just kind of off not off but yeah. you know it's sort of this mix of technologic and like uh primal it's all this this weird everything's just kind of weird um even the typeface for the <laughs> for yeah. the movie is like this rectilinear mm-hmm. thing almost like ocr but it's like irregular and i really like that and i think just as a as a package deal the movie is just really tightly you know well put together it's 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 polished <laughs> i uh, i think it's it's good but at I the think. same time crazy <laughs> yes yeah yeah. Uh, yeah well i definitely yeah. want to see more 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 films from this person than yeah mm-hmm. i do wonder if he'll you know where it'll go because his bit has always been, you know he was like a communist when he was young and so this was sort of this is kind of where you know if i were to write his story this would be his peak but he's only just getting started so it would be i am interested to see if any if and what else comes out mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. him from Boots Riley, for anyone wondering at home. Um, <laughs> I did have... Uh, you know, I think oh, it's ahead. also, I mean, similar. I mean, recently we had a similar hit with Get Out from Jordan, from, Peele. Uh, Jordan Peele. And I think it just sort of highlights that sort of need that Hollywood should completely, you know, latch onto of having people from different backgrounds making their films. Yeah. Just having a more open sort of, you know, willingness to give African American and any other ethnicity, you know, background people to 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 be at the helm of big productions, you know, I think it just shows that there is definitely a different perspective that can be used to make these films, and I think things like this movie and Sorry to Bother You definitely have a different flavor of of how you can tackle a movie, uh, mm-hmm. not just from that social element, but just the presentation of it. Um, in the direction and, and things like that. So, mm-hmm. I hope it is a trend. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. Mm. Um, I have one little detail I want to share. This is mm-hmm. not related to anything we've been talking about. Okay. Let me hit my irrelevant detail, and then we will go in depth with Please the go. question. Yes. Okay. This is, this is fast. Well, it's a character we've like only mentioned in passing. It's the Eye Patch Man. Eye Patch Man. He's act- his name is actually Mr. Beep. <laughs> they never say his name. Okay, yeah. Um, this is what my question was about. Oh, man. Do you want to say your question and then we can talk about it? <laughs> I was just going to ask what the deal is with his name. Oh, Sarah, pl- you're playing into my you're playing into my hands. Uh, not exactly. Jonas, but... <laughs> what's the deal with his name? <laughs> I have the high ground. Uh, so here we go. Um, I actually don't have a so I think why they don't say his name is because his name would be 
and I saw this somewhere, and I saw a lot of theories, but this one made the most sense. His name would be Mr. Mm-hmm. Green. Why would it be Mr. Green? Mm-hmm. That is to okay. say, because I think Eyepatch Man, Eyepatch Man is what I'll call right eye cash. So what that means is his eye patch covers his left eye, which is, you know, the left eye protest movement. It's all just kind of wrapped up into covering his eyes to the suffering of sort of his, uh, not COVID, you know, the, the working class, not worrying about that, just focused on, you know, it, his own interest. Like what he tells him mm-hmm. right before he goes, right before Cash goes to see Steve Lift, he tells him, um, we don't spend time crying about what should be. Uh, we just deal with what is or something like this. I'm paraphrasing. Um, so yeah, that's sort of his worldview, right? He's always like white voice only. Um, and so he is what Cash would be if he didn't have the left eye. <laughs> but it doesn't stop there. Hold on your hats, folks. Because the, another way that the director links the two characters is through this weird reference to a 1950s surrealist painter. Uh, so there's this portrait, I'm sure you've seen, of a guy in a suit and a bowler hat with a green apple in front of his face. Yeah. Uh-huh. So this is Rene Magritte's uh, son of man. And you'll yeah. notice that Mr. Eyepatch Man has a bowler hat and he's walking yeah. around with an apple all the time. Yeah, that's what I was trying to make a connection to. I'm like, and I've then, seen this. Yes, and then... And during the party, Cassius is wearing the same gray suit and red tie as the son of man in the painting. And when he gets into Steve Lift's office, Steve Lift throws him a green apple for no fucking reason. Yeah. Right, right, <laughs> and right. And then when right. he sits down, he like holds it in front of his face for a second and then puts it down. And I was like, hold on a minute, folks. I've seen this before. Interesting. And yeah, that's exactly what that is. At a minimum, it's linking the two characters uh, and I thought that was, wow, really good. Uh, otherwise, I would have had the same question of, who the fuck is Mr. Beep? Um, yeah, I don't layers. know. Yeah, it does. Well, the thing is, I would then try to think, oh, what does the painting mean? And what else could that tell us about uh, uh, Cash and Mr. Beep? And I think the only bit I was able to get was that the painting is about how what's hidden is interesting. Right. <laughs> Something like that. And from that, I, I really just couldn't delve further. I That is not my forte or fort. Um, but yeah, that is the little detail that I thought was, huh, look at that. It's a great film. Lots of details like that in there. <laughs> you yeah, know, like, I, you go, Sarah. No, I was just going to say, I would say that that sounds crazy, except that's a lot of examples that <laughs> really make sense of linking to that painting. Yeah, yeah. Pretty weird. Oh, it's, it's, it's definitely overt. Because, like, yeah. why else would these apples be here? Yeah. It's not just the one. There's, like, a bunch of red apples on Steve's desk. So it's, like, you're showing the similarity, but also the difference. Because so, uh, Mr. Beep has a red apple. Cash has a green apple. It's like, you know? No, yeah, that was interesting. Edwin, you were saying a little detail that you liked. No, 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 just little things that just make me laugh that have nothing to do with the story, like when they're driving and his car is so terrible that they have to manually pull the wipers. <laughs> yes. It's like, oh, you're on wiper oh, yeah. duty. Very funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, to me, that, that kind of fits into the whole, you know, set the tone for the movie, let's do things, sort of exaggerate a little bit, like, you know, people drive, up, drive beat up cars, but people don't drive 
this beat up cars. But the difference between this and current <laughs> beat up cars, eh, it's not that far, you know. Mm-hmm. And or, I think, or, or go for it. Yeah, I think like that is a, a thing the movie tries to do is. Mm-hmm. It's just a slight exaggeration, just a little bit yeah. beyond, and then and then it shows you the horse people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Also, what earlier when like his uh, his Cash's uncle, who is played by Terry Crews, yes, is like asking him for money because, <laughs> and then and then Cash gives him this whole speech about like renters and things like that, and he's like, "Bitch, I'm your uncle." <laughs> God, God made this land I- for all of us. And greedy people like you hoard it for you and your family. Me and my family. <laughs> Gosh, I'm your fucking uncle. <laughs> oh, so the bank's going to take my house if I don't pay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hilarious movie, folks. You should really go see it. It's on Hulu right now. We didn't say that at the top. but uh, Yes, that's where you watched it. Same, same. But watch it with as many people and don't tell me anything about it as you can. Yeah. <laughs> like bring the whole family in. Be like, we're watching a movie about salespeople with David Cross. <laughs> <laughs> and we will not be questioning your world views. Yes. <laughs> Sorry to bother you. <laughs> yes. Uh, that was great. That's a great title. <laughs> That's Superman 4 moment. Sorry to bother you, but here's this movie about how your fucking world is not going to work out. Um, Mm -hmm. okay I think that actually is all that I had in there Uh, yeah I don't have anything else well if no other comments let's uh, closing thoughts Um, anyone want to go first if not I will keep talking until I find my notes (laughs) (laughs) I I can give my final thoughts okay Uh, and my rating I guess I love this movie I think it has it will probably be a beautiful snapshot of what life in the early 2000s, mid, well, 2010s, 2020s was like. Just it, it encapsulates sort of the crucial issues that were sort of pressing down in society, how people ignore them, how it was disproportionately affecting marginalized groups. And it, it does it in such a beautiful and hilarious way that it, it will definitely... I think it will be a definitely beautiful piece to go back to in the future. You know, a set piece, a time piece. Beautiful Maybe. is a strong word, but that's your opinion, I think it's a opinion, beautiful man. film. And I think I strongly recommend it, especially if you live now in, in this time. <laughs> if <laughs> you're listening to now. this now, go watch it. Um, if, you, if you're watching this podcast in 2050, please you you time has passed um so i think what are you doing I, there's so many better things to do come on but if it's still relevant to you i i, I weep for you <laughs> <laughs> the world. um and so i think my rating will be five juicy filled goat's blood balloons out of five <laughs> Oh my god, the suspense. <laughs> I'm like juicy filled wet. <laughs> Sarah, what about you? Yeah, right. So yeah, I also don't think I'd call it beautiful, but I did enjoy it. Um yeah, definitely, you know, a heavy handed, surreal critique of just society today from a capitalism standpoint, from a racism standpoint. 
And like I said earlier, like it was mentioned earlier, I think the the exaggeration and the surrealism and the humor, of course, really they they do make it a more watchable movie while still you know driving these points home. Although I do think I agree with Jonas too that like it may if you're not looking for it or if you don't expect it. Um, I think it's probably possible to just see the humor in the movie and kind of ignore the message. Yeah. But once you know it's there, if you're looking for it, there's there's definitely a lot, um, which I do like. And yeah, I would recommend it. And my food rating is five lines of high quality cocaine. Hundred <laughs> percent Peruvian. <laughs> Peruvian. Is what it, are you talking per- about? They have, they have horses in Peru. Is it cocaine? <laughs> you're being semantic. I'm being semantic. <laughs> Uh, just more samples of the dialogue if you uh, are interested. Anyway, yeah, um, I like the movie. Understatement. I think it's memorable. I really like the sort of the bold and unapologetic style. Of course, the plot is uh, something else. Um, if I didn't mention the tune yards already and their score, I will emphasize it again, just because it really, it really elevates it. You really get you get a lot of greasy synths, and I am here for it. Um, yeah, I mean, this movie is part of the reason I minimize Amazon purchases nowadays. And my rating is a big old feed bag of cosmic crisp apples. <laughs> um, and that is that. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Do your part. <laughs> well, catch us next time when we talk about something else. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I will point out to the listeners that we do have a mailbag. Uh, if you want to send questions, comments, you know, have you got a cool reading that we didn't get to? Did you see some great details that we didn't? Do you have a suggestion mm. of something we should watch and cover? Send it at waitingforstirfry at gmail.com. We'll buy a domain name eventually, maybe. But until then, waitingforstirfry at gmail.com.